Please turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. The sermon passage comes from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. This is a classic passage on the calling of Abram. Abram is, in many ways, the pivotal figure in all of the Old Testament. In some ways, you could almost say he's one of the, certainly one of the pivotal figures of the entire Bible. James Boyce said this, that no one can understand the Old Testament without understanding Abram. For in many ways, the history of redemption begins with God's call. How you interpret Abram's life will really dictate how you look at the rest of Scripture. Now, I may slip into saying the word Abraham because I'm used to saying Abraham and not Abram, but just know it's the same man. Abraham is actually the suffix meaning many because he's going to be the father of many nations. But here we see God's call of this pivotal figure, and consider that Jews and Christians disagree not just about Jesus, they disagree about Abram. Baptists and Paedo-Baptists disagree not just about baptism, but Abram. Dispensationalists and covenant theologians disagree not just over the history of redemption, but Abram. Zionists and Palestinians would even disagree not just over the land or state of Israel, but over Abram. Abram's importance is seen in how much space he takes up in the Bible. He takes up a tremendous amount of space. Consider that from Genesis 1 to Genesis 11 was about 3,000 years. And now, from Genesis 14, or excuse me, for the next 14 chapters, from Genesis 12 to 25, is all about Abram. He takes up a tremendous amount of space, not only in Genesis, but throughout the rest of the Bible. So Romans 4, very much about Abram. Two chapters in Galatians center on Abraham. And the longest section in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, is given to Abraham. 
What I want us to consider tonight are three things, that Abram is called out, he's called in, and he's called because. Called out, in, and because. First, he's called out. In verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go out from your country. Now, what country are we talking about? It might not be that easy to answer. Because it sounds like in verse 4, we're talking about Haran. Haran was in modern-day Turkey. Here's what Rick Phillips has said. Some commentators, seeing a link with the previous verses, hold that this call to Abram came in Haran, where his father had settled after leaving Ur of the Chaldeans. But the New Testament makes it clear that God called Abram while he was still living in Ur. The martyr Stephen preached in Acts chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, The glory of God appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land I will show you. It does seem, however, that God called Abraham twice, once in Ur and another time in Haran. Stephen adds, and after his father died, God removed him from there into his land. This suggests a second call to Abram, showing how God persists in summoning his people to follow him in faith. So Rick Phillips and some of the other commentators see Abraham being called in when he's in the Chaldean, or Ur, when he's in Ur, and then when he lives in Haran. So twice. The Chaldeans consider this were a people of idolatry, paganism. That is primarily what he is called out of, not just the land, but their gods, their culture, their idolatry, their pollution. Alexander McLaren, another scholar, said that either our faith is going to separate us from the world or the world will separate us from our faith and our God. Therefore, what Abraham was called out of is what you and your I are called out of. We're called out of paganism. We're called out of idolatry. We're called out of worldliness to live in fellowship with the one true God, to follow his ways and his law. The word for church, consider this in the New Testament, ecclesia, means those who are called out. Kahal in Hebrew, means, which often is translated about a synagogue, it means to assemble together. So the church is a called out people, called together people to assemble Abram did not leave all of his worldly possessions. It says in verse 5 that he took his wife Sarah his lot, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, and they went out, uh, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Abram may have been a, a very a, a somewhat rich person at this time. So in Genesis 14, verse 14, we're told that Abram had... 318 trained men born into his household. He would have had many servants. Abram was a wealthy man. One of my favorite hymns is Jesus, I, My Cross Have Taken. We don't actually sing it that often here, but the first stanza is Jesus, I, My Cross Have Taken, All to Leave and to Follow Thee, Destitute, Despised, Forsaken, Thou from Hence My All Shall Be. As a Christian, your identity is not here in this world. We are called to take up our cross 
and to be called out of the world to follow Jesus. Consider all the many missionaries who left their homeland to preach the gospel in other countries. Or consider all the people who perhaps were born into a false religion or born into a cult and have to leave their family and leave their kindred and sometimes even their land in order to follow Jesus. It's a real thing. It happens. We're also called into something. So we're called out of something. As Abraham was called out, we're called in. What are we called into? You might think, because of verse 12, that what Abraham is called into is a land. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go to the land that I will show you. And many people think about Abram. They think about land. Even today, if you go to Israel, there is a, a paper called Haaretz. In fact, Haaretz in Hebrew is the land. You find Haaretz right here in this very verse, in verse 12. It means the land in Hebrew. And there's a paper, famous paper in Israel called Haaretz, which is the land. Even today, the land is central to the Jewish identity. But consider in verses 5 through 7, it says that the Canaanites were living already in the land. Now, I would contend that it is God's land to give who he wishes to give, uh, you know, who he wishes to give it to. And here he's giving it to Abram and to his offspring. I would like to take a minute to mention some of the names of places that we find in this passage that will become key later on. Shechem is mentioned here. I think it's in verse 6. Shechem is translated traditionally as shoulder saddle, which corresponds to the mountainous configuration of that place. Shechem is also a person, though. Shechem in Genesis 34 is the son of Hamor the Hivite, and he is the prince of the land, and when he sees Leah's daughter Dinah, he seizes her and rapes her. Simeon and Levi end up taking vengeance on the Shechemites because of what happened. So it becomes a, an important, not only people, but a place. When Joshua assembles the Israelites at Shechem, he tells them, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Bethel is mentioned here. Bethel is the location where Jacob will have a dream of a ladder leading to heaven, which he names this place the house of God, which is Bethel in Hebrew. Some scholars identify Bethel as a place in the West Bank currently. AI. Now, I'm not talking about artificial intelligence, but little do you know, AI exists thousands upon thousands of years ago. In the book of Joshua, chapters 7 and 8, AI is the place where they go to take uh, this city and conquer it. They fail at first. This is the place where Achan steals some of the plunder and has to be stoned. The Negev, verse 9, the Negev means south in Hebrew. It can also mean dry land. Indeed, this place was a place of dry land. Was this land a land flowing with milk and honey? Well, yes, it was. It was very fertile. However, it doesn't mean that it's not prone to famine. It can have a famine. In fact, in verse 10, 
The very first words are, which we didn't read, now there was a famine in the land. As soon as Abram arrives in the land, there's a famine. One of the central problems with the land is that it is between three great empires. (laughs) You have the Egyptian empire in the south, you have the Hittites and the Assyrian empires, and Israel is the place where they kind of overlap. Israel is in many ways like a satellite state, a puppet state. They're always at the mercy of whoever's in power, and they're in many ways afraid. (laughs) I think this was one of the purposes that God used in giving them this land is that they would have to rely not on their own might and strength and where they were located, but they would have to rely on God, the one true God for their defense. This is an important geographic consequence of where they're located. Abram was also called to a people. It says in verse 2, I will make of you a great nation. Now immediately the question comes up, how is God going to make him into a great nation of Sarai, Sarai is barren. Obviously, this will be through God's miraculous work. We'll see that later on as we get into the story. But the verse I want us to focus on and spend some time on is verse 3. Because in the last part of verse 3, the last half, it says, In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you. Now, if I had to pick a single preposition in the whole Old Testament that is the most consequential, I think I might pick this preposition, in you. That is such a significant in. What does it mean, in you? I would argue that this means that Abram is to be the covenant representative of the one true God. He is to be the head or representative of his people. That might You might put it this way, he's to be the proto-Christ to his people. To be in someone is to be united with them in their state before God. He's called here as a covenant representative. Consider 1 Corinthians 15, verses 21 and 22. Consider the ends of that passage. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. That phrase, in Christ, is repeated all over the New Testament, and it's very significant. That preposition, in, is very significant. But if I were to ask the question, who exactly does Abram represent? Now, this would be to to throw a grenade, uh, really, between a whole lot of, uh, of groups, because everybody has a different answer to this. Was Abram purely the representative of an ethnic people, the Jews? Or what, did he represent the people of God of every tongue, tribe, and nation? Is he merely a physical father, or is he also a spiritual father? Do you remember the song, Father Abraham had many sons? Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right on left on Father Abraham. Now that song, I told my kids I was going to sing tonight, and so they're kind of, they were wondering when I was going to get to that. Uh, They're a little embarrassed. But that song, whenever we say, um, He had many sons. I am one of them, and so are you. 
just that, that, that one line there expresses profound theology. It's backed up in Galatians. Galatians chapter 8, or excuse me, 3, verses 8 and 9. Know then, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. It is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. It's those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. I would argue also that Jesus himself had that understanding. When Jesus speaks to the Jews in John chapter 8, consider this. He says, first, he identifies them with Abraham. He says, I know you are the offspring of Abraham. In other words, he's saying, I know you are the physical descendants of Abraham. But then he says, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That is not what Abraham did. When Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, he's saying, spiritually speaking, Abraham is not your father. He's identifying the people of faith as the sons of Abraham. Or put it a different way, in verse 2, when God says, I will make your name great. How exactly is Abraham's name great? Is it because the Jewish people are known to be smart and good with money and great at business? Is that why Abraham's name's great? Or is Abraham's name great because of the, the land that, the, that God promised to give him? Or is Abraham's name great because to his people were given the Mosaic law and the, the scripture? Why is Abraham's name great? I would argue that his name is great because from him and through him will come the Messiah, the one who is prophesied in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman who had bruised the serpent's head, the one who had crushed Satan underneath his feet. Or, or to put it differently, the name of Jesus is the name above all names. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His name is greater even than the name of Abraham. What God was doing was making his own name great through Abram. It wasn't just about a physical people. It was about God. And this goes back even to the Tower of Babel. Remember in the Tower of Babel, we saw that they said, let us make a name for ourselves. Let us build a tower. But God is choosing Abram to make his own name great. Or to put it yet differently, Abram was a man of faith when he's called to slaughter his son Isaac as a substitute, he tells Isaac, God will provide the lamb. He's looking ahead to a lamb, who would, a substitute who would be provided so that his son wouldn't have to die. But is that really who Jesus was? Could we really say, well, Jesus was a great man of faith? Now, I know that many churches, and particularly some of the more progressive left-wing churches talk about Jesus as a great man of faith, a great example. That sounds kind of good. Yeah, he's a great, great man of faith. But the more you think about it, the, the, what they're really saying is that Jesus was just kind of like Abraham. 
They're saying that, that Jesus was purely a man and that we should follow his example. But the difference is this. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. Jesus did not say, thus saith the Lord. He said, I say unto you. Therefore, what Jesus was and is, is not simply a man of great faith. He is the object of our worship. Abram was not an object of worship, but Jesus is. He is the name above every name that we should reverence and honor. Nor do I think that Abram cared all that much about the land. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, By faith, Abram went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder was God. Even the land was provisional in Abram's eyes. He was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. Now, we are called into the same thing that Abram was called into. In fact, to be one of Abram's children would really mean to be in Christ. If you are in Christ, then you are Abram's offspring. We are therefore called to the obedience that Abraham had, to the faith that Abraham had, to the Savior that Abraham had. We are called to the same inness, to be in Christ to have deeper fellowship with him. Not only is he our covenant representative and our Lord, but he is our Savior and King and prophet. Finally, Abram was called because of something. So he was called out, called in, and because. Why was Abram called? I think it's pretty clear from the very beginning that Abram had no particular distinction. He lived in the Chaldeans, We're not told that they're particularly godly. It almost seems as if he's just an ordinary guy. God calls him, and I think that's the case. He didn't call him because he looked down and saw that Abram had great faith or great obedience, but rather he called him out of his own sovereign will and grace. He called him to make God's name great. I think we see that in verse Seven, when it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Here's what S.G. de Graff says Abram was the first human being to whom God appeared after Babel, the first one to experience God's nearness. At Babel, God came down in judgment, but here we read for the first time that God appeared in the land of promise. The Lord had not appeared to any human being since the flood. In Canaan, he now appeared to Abram. Moreover, he appeared to him again on several later occasions. The Lord wished to dwell with man again. For Abram, the Lord was not just a faraway God, but someone very close to him. This was only the beginning. Later on, the Lord appeared to Abram's descendants in glory. He even lived in their midst. The most glorious divine appearance of all was the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason that Abram was called was that the Lord wanted to do a marvelous work in Abram, through Abram, and one day to come and live amongst us in glory, in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. That's the whole point. 
Abram's called out of paganism. He's called into fellowship with the one true God to be the covenant representative of his covenant people. And he's called because of nothing that he brings to the table. That's really to be our identity too. You are to be called out of the world into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ because of nothing that you have done sheerly by grace. That should be your identity. That should be your hope. And therefore, whenever you encounter people in the world, you recognize that you are not called into the world. You're called to separateness. And yet you can also love people of the world, learn about them, have friendship and fellowship with them to a degree, recognizing that your true home is not here, but in, in the heavenly Jerusalem, in the new Jerusalem. The Lord Jesus Christ is your identity. That's where our hope and, and, and faith should be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we thank you and praise you that you are a covenant-keeping God, that before Abraham was, Jesus Christ could say, I am. We praise you that in Abram we see your plan, not only for him and not only for his people, but for me, for everyone, to be called out of the world and into fellowship with you, to be called sheerly by grace alone. None of us can boast before you. None of us can claim here things here in this world as given to us as if we had a right to them or we owned them, but rather you are the owner of everything. And so we praise you for what you have done in the history of redemption. And we pray that we would find our identity and hope in our great Savior, great Abram's greater son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.